Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 12th of April 2021, and it's with Avital Andrews. Avital is a writer, journalist and an editor. We spoke about her work, which has featured in major news outlets and therefore has led to her successful career to this present date. We also spoke about her travel experiences and her future aspirations. Thank you so much for coming on, Avital. I really appreciate your time. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's great to be on. For people who don't know you, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been a journalist for um, almost a couple of decades now. Um, my specialty, my heart has always been travel writing, but I've done a ton of different kinds of writing. I was an editor at an environmental magazine for eight years. I worked at the Los Angeles Times as, um, as an assistant editor at the, at the Sunday Magazine, and I've done a ton of freelance writing for all kinds of places, and I've written a travel book about Northern California, which is where I live. Um, so yeah, just kind of all over the place, wherever I can get my writing out, whatever I can write about. I'll come on to your career in a bit more detail. Mm -hmm. I just want to take you back to where it all began then. So mm -hmm. I guess, where did the initial love for for travel start with mm -hmm. you then? Well, I'm the daughter of immigrants. I'm a first-generation American, and both of my parents were born and raised in Israel. And all of my grandparents uh, lived in Israel when I was growing up in Los Angeles. And so I would we would always go back. I said, I had my, I don't remember it, but I had my first birthday in Jerusalem. And so it was just a normal thing for our childhood to always be shuttling back and forth across the world, which just sort of made, made it a rhythm of my life to do that. And, um, it just gave me early on the perspective that, you know, Los Angeles is definitely not the world and English is definitely not the only language. In fact, I didn't even learn English until I was four, even though I was born in the United States. Um, I was sent to kindergarten, not really knowing how to speak English, which was quite frustrating. And I think probably a lot of what got me into wanting to master the language and become a writer and an editor, just the, that frustration of, I can't communicate to my teacher what I want to say in the language that she speaks. Um, so yeah, just being bilingual, um, being the daughter of immigrants, traveling, doing major travels at a very young age, just sort of made it the norm for me. And then, and we would always go, we would always, um, since it's such a long flight, we would always sort of take advantage of the layovers and we would spend, uh, we would always go on British Airways and, you know, spend some time in London on the way there, which I remember just these kind of like hazy dreamy childhood memories of um you know feeding the birds at piccadilly circus and you know the just such a different such a different landscape than los angeles so that that opened my eyes really early on to loving travel and you know getting on a plane and seeing different to me it was different worlds really not even different countries so 
when you said your first language is it English or is it Hebrew you speak? It's Hebrew, yeah. Yep. That's both both my parents um, speak Hebrew, and that's all we spoke at home. And and you know they they still just speak it to each other unless they're using technology words um, or are talking business. And uh, they speak they kind of spoke to me in Hebrew. And then when I started speaking English, I would start answering in English. But um, but yeah, it was. It was Hebrew only until I was four, and I was, you know, I was the oldest child, so I didn't have older siblings who, you know, spoke the language. So it was, um, it was really very much a first generation experience growing up in Los Angeles. And do you know when you were saying that um, you were going traveling from an earlier? Did you understand? Because I, I traveled at the age of six for the first time. I, was, mm-hmm. I went away uh, for three months, I think it was. You get the sense of what's going on. Well, for me, I think it was mostly just I'm, I was so excited to see my grandparents because all four of my grandparents lived there. And I think that was the main focus. And so it was so, you know, I just I like, you know, little kids and grandparents was just this such a warm, happy thing. And I, I just remember missing them so much during the year when I wasn't able to be with them. So it was it was more the excitement of seeing my grandparents um, that I think attached itself to travel. And so I had this kind of exciting, warm feeling for going somewhere far from a very early age. And yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I remember those long flights. Um, I do remember landing and kind of like feeling the humidity and the smells and like all, you know, all the sense of being in a different place and all those kind of really tangible feelings of landing in a different place. But I think as a kid, missing my grandparents and not having the internet or really anything but postage stamps and, you know, calls where you had to look at your watch because it was expensive to call the other side of the planet at that time. And I'm aging myself now, but um, it was really as a kid, I remember the excitement to see my grandparents when I traveled. So you said you are a, a writer, journalist. Did, the, again, the curiosity of wanting to travel and wanting, did the writing aspect come from from all of that or how did it all begin then that's a great question i i do think that the writing and the love of language really came from being bilingual and not speaking the native language as a child of where i grew up until um until i went to school and really having this feeling like i need to master i need to assimilate basically for lack of a better better words. So I think it's all mixed in there, you know, um, being, you know, having my parents being from somewhere far away and not speaking the language. And, um, I think also, I think I just, you know, I'm, uh, not very good at math. So I think I have very much a writing English type of brain and my brain has always just worked that way. I think I'm just wired that way. Um, you know, some people are just, more kind of one, you know, this, this has been just since dispelled, but I still think of it as left brain and right brain. And, um, I've just always, yeah, I've always written, I have, you know, piles and piles of journals that I filled in college. Um, so yeah, I, I think both of those things have always been a really big part of who I am writing and traveling. And I'm still kind of amazed that I was able to translate that into a career because those are just these two basic elements of who I am because you've had so much success I mean I can go through all the list of places that you've had your work published um but what makes you stand out then 
So I think, honestly, I've always attributed what I've gotten done to two main things. And, you know, it helps to be a good writer and it helps to be a good editor. But um, honestly, uh, I love ne- I love meeting new people. And networking is a really big part of being in the media world, for better or worse. And I... I actually, you know, a lot of, a lot of people see that as a chore, but I actually love it. I love meeting new people. I love keeping in touch with people. Um, I actually had a hundred pen pals when I was a kid and I just, I just love staying in in contact with people. I I love meeting new people. And so I, you know, I go, I go when I, you know, when I can, I go to a lot of industry events or I, you know, I just like maintaining a big network and that's always served me really well in terms of when I, when I want to write someone new, I'm like, you know, I meet an editor and I'm like, Hey, you know, do you need a piece on such and such? Or they will reach out to me and say, Hey, um, are you interested in doing a piece just because we already have that relationship? So I guess the better way to say that is maintaining relationships and meeting people and networking. And then the other thing um, that I attribute, I guess you could call it my success to is um, being reliable. (laughs) There are so many freelancers out there that, um, you know, I was an editor for eight years at a magazine called Sierra. Um, and so it was my, and also at the LA times, I was an editor. I worked with a lot of freelance writers and, um, many of them are really lovely, but, um, there's sort of a widespread lack of professionalism and you can't always depend on people to submit things on deadline or submit things as assigned, or, um, you know, sometimes I'll get something back and I'll be like, this is not what I assigned. <laughs> and so it's, it's just kind of amazing to me, like what comes back when and how much they, how much some freelancers rely on their editors to make them look good. Um, so I think just getting pieces in on time, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to badmouth anybody, but I guess, I guess what I I'm trying to say is just, you know, being reliable, getting, you know, hitting your deadline, having, having the copy be clean, um, sort of being your own editor. So you're not hoisting that work on to your client. Um, and really it's as simple as that. It's sort of maintaining relationships and being reliable will get you super far in this industry further than you would think. And so I think those two elements have sort of combined um, to help me, help me along the path. And yeah, you know, being a good writer helps, but really that's not um, the main thing that I think leads people to success in travel journalism. Well, I think, I think you mentioned the, the, the networking, that is key with mm-hmm. any, any, with the travel industry, as you know, yeah. we're always meeting people. What, what about in terms of a, a piece that sticks out in your mind that you've done in the world of travel mm-hmm. and any piece that uh, sort of actually resonates with today's society? The one that comes to mind is a piece I wrote, gosh, it would have been seven years back for the Los Angeles Times travel section. And it was, um, I, um, <laughs> I'm not a very good uh, meditator. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of the thing right now to, to stay calm and mental health. Um, but I don't know. I can't remember if I had the idea for the piece or my editor had the idea for the piece, but there's a silent retreat up in Northern California where you go and it's, um, it's somewhere between a house and a hotel. 
um, I guess maybe something of a and b but it even feels more homey than that. And it's got all this nature all around it. And it's just, it's really beautiful. And you go there and nobody's supposed to talk. <laughs> You're supposed to be, si- it's a silent retreat. Uh, and that's what it's called. It's called silent retreat. Um, and I am, I'm sort of a chatty person, as you might've noticed. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I love meeting people. I love talking to people and I'm really curious whenever I meet anyone. So I always have all these questions for people. Um, so it was very interesting to go somewhere where there, you know, all these new people, it's a new place I've never been and, um, just have to be silent the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, I wrote a piece about that and I also happened to be pregnant at the time. So it was, um, I guess it relates to today because it was very, it was, um, in a way it was very isolating to be around other people and not be able to connect or interface with them but in a way it was also really grounding because you know you the whole point is to get in touch with yourself and there you know there was like a meditation hour that the the innkeepers led uh every day um so sort of disorienting in in a good way um although I think I still think that other people there were better at meditating than I was but um but yeah, that, that's a piece that comes to mind that I wrote that is sort of relevant to these times of, you know, knowing that other people are all around you, but not necessarily being able to connect with them in the ways that we usually do. I'm a talker like you, so it would probably drive me crazy a little bit as well, not being able to talk to someone and yeah. just, just retreating for, for three days. It will just be... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess with with any any experience that you take, though, and any of the pieces that you write, does it give you so much confidence going forward onto the next next article? It does. You know, I forget a lot. When I'm not writing, I forget what the writing process is like sometimes until I'm actually in it again. And I'm like, oh, I love, you know, when I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, I love writing and, and I'm good at it. Um, but I, I sort of like forget that I'm good at it when I'm not doing it. <laughs> and then... And then when I'm doing it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, this is why I do this. You know, this is why people hire me to do this. Um, so it is very reaffirming in terms of, you know, I think a lot of writers are like that. Like, you know, a lot of writers, when you tell them they're successful or, um, you know, that they're widely published or even when they when they know it logically, they kind of, they're kind of like don't necessarily see themselves that way. But, but un- unless they're actually writing um, or editing. and this is why I do what I do. It's, you have to kind of keep writing to keep the confidence in writing. With all the writing, you've also mentioned that you wrote a book. So how did that come about then? That was also networking. I, um, I'm invited to some press trips sometimes. And uh, I met a fellow editor on a press trip to, I think it was Vancouver, um, Canada. And um, we just we just clicked. Like, you know, we were similar kinds of people. So... Um, very chatty, very friendly. Um, and I told her, you know, if you ever, she was an editor for Fromers, which is, uh, which at the time was the publishing company of the book. Um, and she basically commissioned guidebooks, travel guidebooks. And I said, you know, I would love to, I was actually in my twenties at the time. So this is a while ago, but, um, I said, you know, if you ever want someone to write a guidebook, um, not knowing all, all of that, what that entailed, um, I would love to do it for you. And 
the, the idea she had at first was for me to write one about San Diego because I'm from Southern California. Um, but then um, that one got assigned by a different editor. And she said, well, that one got assigned, but do you want to do one about Napa and Sonoma? And um, I didn't, I had to think about it for probably one second. And I said, yes, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wine country. So um, yeah. And then I just sort of signed the contract and jumped right in. It was, um, there were parts of it that were very glamorous and there were parts of it that were very not glamorous. <laughs> You know, putting together a travel guidebook, a lot of it is kind of like putting together a yellow pages. Um, you know, there's a lot of like minute details that are, you know, don't involve a lot of creativity at all. But um, a lot of it is really wonderful. In terms of the sales of the book, how how is it done? I wish I knew um, that, that that particular company um, pays you a flat rate and no royalties. And so they keep their sales numbers um close they they keep it close to their chest um so i actually don't know um i i checked the numbers on amazon once actually i haven't even checked in a long time um but uh, it looks like it's doing okay on amazon <laughs> i'm not really sure would you want to write more books and if if that if you've written one book surely that's given you a bit of a, a boost for another one yeah and um you know i actually have a children's book manuscript ready to go um it's sort i i have i need to get more motivated about finding an agent and finding a publisher for it i have an agent for um kind of non-fiction adult stuff but um she doesn't she doesn't do children's stuff and and i have i have a seven-year-old and we have probably a hundred picture books checked out of the library at any given time and i read them all with her and i've gotten really interested in children's books and I remember I you know it's making me remember that that's what that's part of what made me a writer in the first place was being such an avid reader when I was a kid and just going through books the way she does just probably she reads three to four chapter books a day just on her own um not you know that's what she wants to do and it reminds me of myself when I was her age and that's what I wanted to do and that's what turned me into a writer and that's sort of well, in addition to the bilingual thing, but um, it sort of reintroduced me to the world of children's books, which I had such a love for as a child. And I, you know, I all these ideas are coming for children's books that I I want to write. One of them I have written, um, and the other ones are sort of in different st- inchoate stages of idea to manuscript. But um, that's hope. That's sort of my next dream is to be a children's book author and what, what type of what, what sort of writing would you like to do for the kids would it be would it be travel yeah um now that you mention it and i hadn't really given it much thought before but my manuscript is actually set in africa even though i've never been to sub-saharan africa um for some reason that just felt like the setting my book it's about a um an elephant and a monkey um and the monkey is kind of this like flighty traveler type who kind of wants to go everywhere and and the elephant's kind of this grounded type who just wants to stay in one place so I guess there is a travel I get you know I hadn't really thought of it as a travel book but I guess it could be seen that way um but yeah you know I would I would love to I would love to write about travel for kids but my ideas right now are kind of more on the on the fiction side and a little bit more on the 
metaphorical side um, to help kids get through kind of whatever they're trying to get through. Um, but yeah, you know, there's, there's just so much potential and I, yeah, I mean, if someone wanted to assign me a travel book for kids, like I'm all in for it. When you travel now, is there a specific mm-hmm. reason behind your travel now? So I guess the question would be, what does travel mean to you? Travel is a little bit different for me right now because, because I'm a mother. And um, so a lot of travel for me right now just centers around um, bringing, bringing my kid along. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> haven't quite traveled very much for a year. Um, so, but before that, you know, a lot of it, I would, after I've become a mother, it's been, you know, what would enrich her, what would be comfortable for her, um, you know, where, what's, what's good for a, you know, fill in the age year old, whatever age she was. Um, so really it's, again, it's cliche, but, you know, becoming a parent changes your life and, um, in that way, it changes your travels very much too. And I'm sure I'll go back to kind of my previous way of traveling um, when she goes to college. But um, so actually, what, what, what? How did you travel prior to having having your child? Was it yeah? Was it quite adventurous? Was it sort of resorty? Yeah. What 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 was it like beforehand? Very adventurous traveler um, before becoming a parent. Um, you know, with, with my now husband, um, we, you know, we went all over, we went all over Asia. Um, yeah, we, we mostly, for some reason, we mostly traveled through Asia. Um, we went to Mexico a lot, but, um, I mean, there are still so many places that I haven't been that I would love to go. Um, but yeah. Um, and just, just to rewind for a sec, um, I, I did stay at resorts, but I did do the adventure stuff at the same time. So I think resort and adventure travel can beautifully coexist. Um, but, um, you know, now, and I would say I do some adventure travel with my daughter too. We, you know, we, we took her to Alaska um, and we stood on, you know, we took her on a glacier. We, we, all, we suited up in um, the cold weather gear and we actually took a helicopter ride over a glacier and we landed on the glacier and took a tour of the glacier. Um, so we can, you know, we can still do adventurous stuff with the kid. Um, and it really, you know, it really enriches her life. But, um, you know, we, we, we've taken her to Mexico, um, just for a bit. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stop the adventure travel, but, you know, we have, we've done a lot fewer international trips and um yeah it's you know it it there's there's a little bit of a parallel with um you know how life is now since march 2020 um it's more restrict you know it's obviously since march 2020 it's been way more restricted but it's it's more restricted in what you can do but um one thing i've found since everything's been really restricted is that I've, you know, I've been having literal dreams of traveling um, and where to go. And I, I just see I also in daily life. I just see these daily glimpses of like an alleyway with lights strung or um, it's hard to explain, but little like accents of travel where I'm like, I can't wait to get back into that. I can't wait to just like wander random alleyways or, 
you know, see street musicians again and just do kind of like the mundane, not even the big sightseeing stuff, but just kind of walking around in a new town on the other side of the world and, you know, talking to the locals and hearing the music and tasting the food and smelling the smells and getting lost and all of that is just so out of reach right now. So that's sort of the part of it that I really miss and can't wait to get back to. Where are mm. some of the places then you'd like to go uh, mm. in the near future? I, I would I would love to go to um, Sub-Saharan Africa. And I know that's a huge part of the planet, um, but maybe um, Namibia. Um, I've been to Namibia, actually. Yeah, I hear yeah, it's, it's quite good. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've done parts. Of, so I didn't like Namibia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, South Africa. Yeah. Those are all amazing. It's yeah. like a whole different world when you, because Asia for me has always been my favorite continent to travel around, mm. uh, mainly because of the food, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you do go, it will be unreal. To I, I mean, it will open your eyes. Yeah, Botswana is a big one. I would, I want to do too. Um, and then, if you can believe it, I've never been to Italy for some reason. It's no just, way. you know, everyone has that whole big hole in their travel, um, and, you know. And that's one of them for me that I haven't. And for some reason, um, my kid, even though she's seven, has always been. Um, I don't know what the word for it is. An, an Italiophile, <laughs> uh, whatever you know, a Francophile is. But for Italy, just she loved everything Italian. Like it's like she was. And it, she was Italian in a past life or something. Um, so I would love to take her there because she, for some reason she loves anything Italian, the language, the food, the, the people. Um, anytime there's kind of an Italian character in a movie she's watching, she always gravitates to them. So I would love to take her and myself to Italy. Um, so it's, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that. And I'd love to explore Northern Africa more. Um, I went to Morocco with, my mom and that was one of my favorite trips ever it was just so magical and mystical and dynamic and um it's just really energy it, it was you know when a trip just kind of like energizes you to want to keep traveling and keep exploring and keep meeting people and so i'd love to do more of maybe to, like tunisia um yeah just sort of uh maybe North, North Africa and uh, more around the Middle East. Hobbies-wise, have you got anything mm-hmm. that you like to do? We live in Danville, California, which is in the East Bay, kind of near Berkeley and Oakland, um, about half an hour from San Francisco. And the trails here are just beautiful. Like, they're world-class. You know, we're so lucky. Um, just within walking distance of our house, there's kind of these oak, oak-filled oak woods that are... Um, the trails are really nicely maintained. And then just to drive away is all, you know, all the, the famous redwoods of California. We've gone to Muir Woods. We've gone to, um, all, you know, all the hiking trails around us, seeing the waterfalls and, you know, we, we see all the wildlife around here. So we're, you know, it's, it gets, it gets, I wouldn't say it gets old after a while, but, um, you know, we have to find new trails and stuff to explore. But. Where would you like to see your career go next? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, like I said, my dream, uh, my next dream is to write children's books. That's sort of my... So that's top of the list, I guess. Top of the list. And, uh, yeah, top of the list right now. And I actually, um, I'm about to start a six-month contract with Facebook um, to be an editor. 
for some of their education content. So that's exciting. Um, you know, it's sort of a, a jaunt a little bit away from journalism for me. Um, but um, I don't know. I I don't think I mentioned, but one of my one of my sort of bread and butter places that I wrote for um, shut down shortly after March 2020. So um, I I lost a good bit of work. Um, I was able to freshen up my website, um, launch it actually, um, which sort of opened up a lot more opportunities for me. And um, I had some recruiters reach out um, from the tech industry, which was interesting. Um, so I'm going to give it a shot and see if um, if that kind of work, um, you know, clicks with me. And I'm I'm excited to try it. So so I do have some um, some editing work ahead of me for for Facebook, for social media, and tech. Um, so that's a new chapter for sure. And uh, I'll probably be still be uh, doing a lot of freelance journalism on the side, but, um, so that's, that's sort of what's in the near term future. Um, but I would say the, the, I would say, yeah, continuing to do travel journalism and, um, you know, trying to get my books out, my new books out there. That's sort of the, the near term goal. Well, I wish you the best of luck with all of that. And, um, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate your time and uh, I will speak to you soon. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.